Good morning. Peace be with you. We have some announcements. Let's see if I can do it without forgetting. Um, I called an audible. Normally, uh, Ed would have been up here and letting you know what's going on. So, um, the Christmas tree is going up next week, and you're invited to come and help with decorating and so forth. It'll be on the 9th. <coughs> um, and we have out in the narthex a invitation to go to Grace Lutheran Church on Wednesday the 6th at 11 a.m. The Harbor Singers will be there. So that's the flyer that's out there for you to see if you're interested. And then Ed gave me this. These are uh, prayer requests that are out there. If you have uh, requests for prayers, fill out one of these. Hand it to uh, uh, the usher or uh, to me or drop it in the office and we'll get you uh, either on the prayer list if you'd like to be on that or we'll just pray for you uh, as our prayer committee um, handles those kind of things. So that is that. Now, the reason that I took over for Ed is, um, was anyone here a few weeks back over the Veterans Day uh, weekend when we had the people filming? Okay. And so um, we got an email from them, and we actually made the internet. We are, they videoed us, and we are on YouTube. And uh, so I did some research, and what that phenomena is, it's called uh, First Amendment Auditors. And so they uh, get out and feel um, that uh, they have a duty and are doing a righteous thing by going out and finding out if somebody will try to stop them by, from exercising their First Amendment right, which is to freedom of the press um, and freedom to, to photograph. They uh, go to various churches. This one person uh, has gone to several churches in South Orange County, but they're nationwide. And um, the law is on their side, even though it doesn't make sense um, to us as lay people of privacy. The First Amendment uh, protects them from filming, for, protects them so they can film, record from a private or from a public place, the sidewalk. Yes, they can. Uh, record us coming in to uh, our property. They can record our cars. They can record our faces. They can record our voices and come up and talk to them. That is all protected. It's all been tested all the way to the Supreme Court. It is obviously um, aggravating. Here's what happens. Uh, I watched four different films this person put out, and I want that hour of my life back. It was a waste of time on one hand, but on the other hand, I got to see how they operate. They probably will never come back here. But what they try to do is get a reaction. And they got some reactions from us. And so what they did is they uh, put it on in there, it's in the, in the video, and it, they mock you. They mock everyone that comes. And it's not nice, it's mean. But they did that. And then they use it to say, oh, well, good Christian behavior. They um, gave us a fail for our audit. 
because the police were called. And the police do not have any jurisdiction on what they're doing unless they break the law, and they're very careful not to do it. The police handled themselves. There were two officers that came. They were professional. They were courteous. And they went on their way. So what do we do in the future? Well, as your pastor, I would um, advise that if that ever happens or you find yourself with those kind of people at a place because they go to Starbucks and Taco Bell and other things trying to get a rise out of people, that you just ignore them. Nothing good can come from it. Um, the other thing is, is that uh, I would hope that you wouldn't engage them online. Um, there's, at the last time, well, when I looked, it was over 500 comments. They're mean comments. So why do they do this? Well, there's money made. Every time you visit their YouTube channel, they get a, a, a slight amount of a penny for every click. So you get into the 50,000. By the way, 47,000 people have viewed our video, which is not a lot in the realm of all of that. But they get, they monetize it. So what happens is when somebody clicks on it, they get money, then an ad runs, they get money. So if we ignore it, there's no money to be made. Just thought you should know. I'm sorry that it happened. Um, it probably won't happen again. If it does, uh, I pray again that we can just ignore them and uh, just, you know, let them go. They're, they're the goats that we talked about. There's believers and unbelievers. And I don't know that that comports with somebody that is a believer in Christ doing that kind of a provocation, but I could be wrong. That's for God to figure out. So for you guys, let's just ignore them and go on with our business. So our opening hymn, and we're grateful to have you here, Diane, um, is, uh, is uh, Hark the Glad Sound, and this is the first Sunday of Advent where we'll be Yes. I cannot hear you. The plants? Oh, okay. Oh, there's a couple of plants under the table there. If you like the plant, take the plant, but leave the container. And I also supposed to mention or remind us on poinsettias, right? I almost didn't do that, Ed. Okay, you were going to let me get away with it? Okay, Karen, thank you. Thank you, Karen. All right. And um, then we have, so we have the lighting of the candle, and Steve is going to take the uh, first Sunday here and light for us. We'll have that during our opening hymn. And uh, let us uh, rejoice in the Lord and sing as unto the Lord. Amen? Amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast. Alleluia. He is Christ, the Lamb who was slain. 
set us free to be people of God. pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. They can be found on page 1161 in the Pew Bible. Isaiah writes on how we are all sinners and asks God if we can be forgiven. Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. As when the fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and given us over to our sins. 
Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. We will read Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7, responsibly, and it's printed on your bulletin, in your bulletin on page 6. The theme of this psalm is that God is our only hope for salvation. Psalm 80, 1 through 7. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Messiah, waken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. How long, O Lord Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You had made us an object of derision to our neighbors and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. The next reading is taken from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, and can be found on page 1771 in the Pew Bible. Corinthians 1, 3 through 9. I always thank my Lord for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God, thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. gospel according to St. Mark the 13th chapter our gospel this morning is indeed from Mark chapter 13 verses 24 through 37 and can be found on page 1578 in your pew Bible Mark records this But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will 
fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. But tr truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Humans, you, me, we have a natural curiosity about things, don't we? We're curious. There is a, a tagline for the tabloid, the National Enquirer. It says, inquiring minds want to know. Everyone remembers that except for anyone who's 18. <laughs> so, for the most part, this is a good thing. Although there are uh, times when curiosity has gotten individual people into a whole lot of trouble. And today's Bible readings produce a natural amount of curiosity. It was the first, or it is the first Sunday in Advent of the new church year today. And the topic of the last day triggers that natural curiosity and it, and it causes us to ask these kind of questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how? We want to know everything. But God knows that it is better for us 
if we don't know everything. Jesus firmly tells us that no one knows God's schedule for the last day. In fact, we hear this twice in today's gospel. We hear it in other scripture as well. Jesus even tells us that the angels do not know. And even the Son of Man, in his state of humiliation, does not know. Now I need to take a moment to uh, remind us of the definition of humiliation. Humiliation is the abasement of pride, humbled, reduced to submission. Jesus willingly humiliated himself when he condescended down to walk amongst us. It means that he did not truly know the day or the hour while he was here on earth. God's decision to hide these things combined with our natural curiosity of humanity and our sinful honoriness causes something very strange to happen. In spite of all of what God says, there are people who insist that they know God's schedule for the last day. And just for fun, you can research on uh, the internet uh, false prophets. And you will know that there is an awful wide variety of false prophets that have selected thousands of dates for the end of the world. In fact, some of them came before Jesus was born. Many of them who make these predictions claim to be Christians in spite of the fact that Jesus specifically told us that no one can know the time. Do you guys remember the hoopla over the end of the year as predicted by the Mayan calendar? Do you remember that? The end of the world, some said, would occur on December the 21st, 2112. And then, when that didn't happen, it was to end on June 3rd, 2016. And then, well, um, 2020. Okay, no, not 2020. Somewhere near December 21st, 2021. I, you know, they don't know. And I don't either. And neither do you. And just so that you know, the descendants of the Mayans and others who study this type of thing were telling us that there is no meaning to the end of the Mayan calendar. It's been reported that the ancient Mayan numbering system just ran out of numbers. And even so, there will be some crazy people who will make radical lifestyle cho choices and changes, assuming that the world will never reach the end of a particular day or a particular year. And how sad it is to know that there are con artists out there who will use this sort of craziness to, to make a buck. And over time, a great deal of money truly has changed hands because some were able to convince others that they knew when Christ was returning. And from time to time, some poor souls have even given away their earthly belongings, all of them, and they've waited for Jesus to return. And then when the day came and the, the, the day went, 
These people had no homes, they had no jobs, they had no savings. It was all gone. And as incredible as these tragedies are, they are not the worst thing about these false prophets. For while people are obsessing over the time and the itinerary of the end times, they are forgetting the important teaching in today's gospel, and that is this. Jesus said, be on guard. Keep awake. Therefore, stay awake. And again he said, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. It sounds like we're supposed to stay awake. The important thing is to be ready. To be ready when the last day comes. The reason Jesus wants us to be ready is that there are only two, and only two eternal destinations on the last day. That's heaven, and that's hell. Heaven is far more blessing than we can ever imagine, and hell is a curse far worse than we can imagine. The important thing is, is to avoid hell and to enter into heaven. It is not important to know more than that about heaven and hell. It is not important when the last day comes. It is just important to know that it will come one day. And the only way to be ready for that day is to be ready for it every day. You see, when we are speculating about the nature of the last day, when it is, what it'll be like, our attention is drawn away from preparing for it. So what does it mean to be awake, to watch, to be ready? Well, you see, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could know the details and all the events on the last day. No, he, he died on the cross so that we could be prepared for the last day. Preparation for the last day means that we must be holy in God's eyes. For only those people who are holy will enter the kingdom of God. The Bible gives us two ways, just two ways, to be holy. One way depends on us. The other way depends on God. The way that depends on us, it's pretty simple. It just requires us to be perfect. There can be no mistakes, no slip-ups, no whoops. No, sorry about that. We must be as perfect as God is. The slightest blemish, the spot, wrinkle, or blot on our record, and we fail. It is all over. The test is a pass-fail exam. Only 100% passes. Anything else is a fail. It's done. It's over. And the next stop is eternal torment. 
There are no appeals. There will be no do-overs. In all of time and space, there has been only one, only one human being who has ever pulled this off. Every other human being fails this test right at the moment of conception. As King David said in the Psalm 51, verse 5, he records, In sin did my mother conceive me. So, although God makes this way available, I mean, you can try, there's only one, only one human being who has been able to do it. It just isn't possible for the ordinary person. Now, the way that depends on God involves God the Father sending his only begotten Son into the world to take our place as a human being under the law. God's Son, Jesus, is perfect. With him, there are no mistakes. There's no slip-ups. There's no whoops. There's no sorry about that. There was no blemishes. No spot, no wrinkle, or blot. Jesus is the one, the only human being who passed the test with a perfect score of 100%. And as the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, he writes, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who ju judges justly. So, God the Father sent his Son, Jesus, into the world, and Jesus became the perfect human being for us. And on top of that, Jesus submitted to his Father, and he took up all of our sins, all of our sins. He took up everything from the sins that we consider the absolute worst thing we could do to the sins that we don't even know about. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, the letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 5, verse 21, he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus then took those sins. He took them to the cross where he suffered and he died for us. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This is the way that God makes us holy. This is the only way for us to be ready for the last day when it comes. Jesus Christ, God's Son, must give his holiness to us, and he offers that holiness to us from the cross. Jesus did not remain among the dead. No. He rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. And he has promised 
that he will return on the last day to raise all mankind from the dead, just as he himself rose from the dead on the third day. And on that day, there will be no, there will actually be two reactions to his coming. Those reactions are this. All of those who attempted to produce their own holiness, their own spirituality, will find that God's presence is exceedingly painful. They will do anything to get away from God. In fact, the Bible describes this, this terror in this way, found in Revelation 6, verses 15 through 17. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free, they hid themselves in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and away from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? They will see the coming of Jesus, and they will flee his presence in terror. They will prefer the eternal punishment, the punishment of hell, over the presence of the living God. Now, those who rest in the holiness of Jesus Christ, the holiness that he earned for us on the cross, well, these will see the Lord's coming with rejoicing. They will join together with the church and the rest in the love of God. As the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25 and through 27, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And again, the Bible says in Revelation 7, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, they have passed away. So, when we do a careful Bible study of all the signs of the end, we learn that they have all come to pass. That there is no prophecy waiting to be fulfilled except the actual coming of the last day. For all we know, the Lord could reveal himself before this service is over. And I wouldn't blame you if you said, oh, please, Lord Jesus, come now. On the other hand, he might be dead. The person who is here, any of us, we might be dead and buried for centuries before Jesus returns. The Lord's encouragement to us would be the same. 
He would extol you, be on guard, keep awake. He'd say, therefore, stay awake. He would say, what I say to you and I say to all, stay awake. Be ready for the last day at any time. In conclusion, it's just not important to know the date of the last day. Jesus says that we can't know that time. It is not important to know anything about the details of our eternal existence. It is not important for any of that. The important thing is this, to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins that makes us constantly ready for the day when he will show himself and raise the dead. He urges us. He urges us to be awake and on guard so that we will receive him in joy. The joy that anticipates life forever with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen.
please stand if you're able? Let us all confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us this morning as we worship your holy name. Thank you for sending Jesus, your only Son, our Lord, whose horrible sacrifice saved us from our sins against you, past, present, and future, and who spent his human life teaching us to know you and the love you have for all you have created. Thank you also for the Holy Spirit sent by Jesus to be ever-present with our souls, to remind us constantly of Jesus' love and saving grace. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for calling us to faith and giving us hearts to hear your call. Thank you, Lord, for our nation and our freedoms, rights, and privileges we enjoy. Please forgive us when we too often forget that it is only through your providence that we continue to remain as one nation under you, and that without you we will not be one nation, but divided, and will collapse as other nations before us have fallen. Thank you for Holy Scripture that describes this warning, and forgive us for ignoring it and guide us out of the collapse we are witnessing today. Holy Father, as we prepare for our annual celebration of the arrival of your only son, Jesus, in human form as a baby, you know that we are easily distracted by the busyness of the season, the noises, flashing lights, and anxiety associated with our planning activities for this celebration. We focus and worry so much about food, presents, parties, shopping, etc., that we sometimes forget what Christmas is really about. Please don't let our hustle and bustle of activities drown out the soft sounds in our hearts of the child you sent to save us all. During this Advent season, Holy Spirit, please quiet our hearts and minds and place for most in our thoughts and in our hearts Almighty God's gift of our Savior. Please help us to remember to teach our children that it is only the love of you, Holy Father, that is important, and not all of the commercial distractions accompanying our celebrations. Turn us away from greed and towards generosity and thankfulness. Holy Spirit, you know our innermost thoughts. You know some of us are anxious about 
well, everything, including too many obligations or family demands. You also know that some of us are incredibly lonely, depressed, or in despair because we have no, no obligations or family close by or even at all. We feel disconnected or without purpose, Holy Spirit. Please send friends to help and to calm those who feel overburdened, and especially send us to those who feel empty, lonely, or without meaning in their lives. Let us show your love to those who need it most at this time of the year. As always, we thank you for children, all children in our lives who remind us of the good times of our youth. They are the best medicine for those suffering. Please guide us to protect them from all harm and to teach them your ways for a better life and a perfect eternity with Jesus. We pray for healing for those among us who suffer from illnesses, broken or aging bodies, and other maladies or distress. We pray for those who are traveling and ask that you bring them home safely. Heavenly Father, in our wonderful nation with so many blessings, we face many problems that we don't have the wisdom to solve. We watch in horror at the anarchy and vitriol around us. Please, Almighty God, save us from this bottomless pit we have dug for ourselves. We pray for the victims of war everywhere, and particularly for those who are held hostage and abused in the Middle East, especially young children, and for the surviving family members of those who have been killed. We know that evil cannot ultimately prevail against you, but we see the battle raging in our lifetime between the forces of good and evil within our own country and internationally. Please intervene, Holy Father, and save us from Satan's influence. Lord, please protect our armed forces, first responders and law enforcement officers, and all who serve honorably to protect others. We pray for your church on earth, its leaders, ministers, missionaries, and congregations of believers. Please, Holy Spirit, keep us true in our faith in Jesus, our Savior. Please continue to be with our small congregation of believers and family in Jesus Christ here at Reformation Lutheran Church. Thank you especially and always for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, 
maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, indeed, right and salutary that we should, at all times and in all places, offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes again to judge the world in righteousness. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks and then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This is prepared for all who confess Jesus with their lips as Lord and Savior. This table is a celebration, but just a foretaste of the feast to come. We believe as Lutheran Christians that this actually does enact grace, imparts grace upon those that receive. It rescues us from sin, death, and the devil. If that is your confession, come. The table is prepared. The usher will bring you forward.
And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel on page 34.